0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. A little bit about the podcast if you're new. Basically, I share with you all stories that took place in my small hometown, Brown County, in Indiana. These stories range from true crime to the paranormal and everywhere in between. If you'd like to share your own hometown stories, you can email me at locallegendswithlark at gmail.com. As always, all the articles used in today's episode are linked in the description so you want to read them for yourself. So hi, everybody. It's been a while. I've just been, you know living life and wanted to hop on to share a episode with you all covering a case that's been weighing really heavily on my mind to the point where it like keeps me up at night trying to figure out what all went on. So today we're going to be discussing and going over the mysterious disappearance of a man by the name of Randall White. Now, on this podcast, as you know by now, if you've listened to our other cold case episodes, as this one is, we do a lot of cold cases here on this podcast. You know, and as as I've said many times before, you know, true crime for me is not something that I gravitate towards or really want to take part in. Because to me, you know, not enough attention is placed on the victim or the victim's family and it easily becomes like a media circus, trendy craze, if you will, where the perpetrator of the crime, the murderer, is given um, all of the attention and focus. And a lot of times in true crime, you know, it's a telephone game where very crucial facts and details are kind of left out to make it more sensationalized. It is gross because you're dealing with people's lives. And I think we just need to do all we can to pay respect and be respectful to the victim and the victim's families. However, all that being said, cold cases to me are a little different because these are cases that are unsolved. These are cases where we have a victim, but no known perpetrator. There is no justice served because the murderer was never found. Like The details aren't clear and the families don't know what happened to their family member. And, you know, hopefully by sharing these cases and discussing them and going over them and just making other people aware of these cold cases and the details of these cases, maybe something will happen to where we can get these cold cases resolved. And, you know, I feel like there's a good chance of that happening because I feel like every year that goes by, you know, more resources are put into creating better DNA tests and better ways to um, take things that were left at a crime scene and test them and analyze them to find out who it belonged to and then from there being able to identify who was involved and I feel like every year that goes by more and more cold cases are being resolved and by cold cases I mean like ones that happened like 60 plus years ago so I feel like there is hope. And, you know, it's interesting because it seems like people on uh, the listen to this podcast also enjoy cold cases because to date, the most listened to episode on this podcast is a Tracy system cold case, which tells me that, you know, you're all interested in these types of episodes as well. So I'm going to continue doing them. Now, as always, if you have any cases that you would like covered, you can email me at local edges with Lark at gmail.com and I'll be sure to cover those on the podcast. And before we really get into this specific case of Randall White, I want to say that this one does actually take place in Bloomington, not Brown County. I know usually everything relates back to Brown County, but like I said, I went on a deep dive for cold cases, and I stumbled upon this one. And this one really stuck with me. The details we're going to get into it are very odd. It's something just doesn't feel right. There's something missing, and. Because Bloomington is in such clo- uh, like close proximity and such a close drive away from Brown County, I felt that, you know, due to the proximity that this episode should count and be covered on the podcast. Okay, so let's get into this specific cold case. One, like I said, that's been keeping me up for the past few months and weighing very heavily on my mind. Now, the details as we know them related to this case are very odd, immediately very odd and make it very clear to me when I went over these details that this disappearance was very premeditated. Now, while we don't know the perpetrators, we absolutely do know that whoever it was that was responsible for Randall's disappearance preplanned it and was very, very organized. The last anyone would see of 31-year-old Randall Randy preferred to be called white would be on august 7th 1982 three days later on august 20th 1982 randall randy's family would report him missing to the authorities now according to the police report his family members arrived at randy's home located at four forty ten stouts creek road in bloomington indiana and at their arrival on the scene is where details start to get odd and make it very clear that whoever was responsible for Randy's disappearance did so in a very planned and calculated way. When the family approached the front door with authorities of Randy's home, they immediately saw that the lock had been broken on the front door and that the front door was ajar. Now, the scene that greeted them was of chaos. Randy's home had been torn apart. His family stated that Randy was normally a very organized and tidy person, yet what they saw was the complete opposite. Drawers were open, some broken off their hinges, things strewn about all over the floor, and all of the closets and cabinets of the home ransacked, as if someone had been looking for something. So things were just torn apart in his house, which made it very clear to authorities and his family that whoever it was that was responsible for this mess was looking for something and had torn Randy's home apart, looking for whatever it was they were after. Now, a very interesting fact is that authorities, when they arrived on the scene, discovered that Randy's phone lines had been cut. And that is a very important detail, which goes into the premeditated belief that I have. Whoever did this was very calculated. Cut his phone lines so he couldn't call for help. You know, and and keep in mind this is in the 80s. This is before cell phones. This is before um, security systems. So really, your only way out, especially in a remote area where his house is located, where your neighbors are far spread out, and it's a remote area, your only way to get help when you live alone is to call. And whoever it was, cut his only way out for help. His only way to call for help, they cut his phone lines. The only items that were reported missing by Randy's family was his two hunting rifles and his one shotgun. Nothing else was taken from the home. Police also discovered a small amount of marijuana at the scene and Randy's family stated that he did not smoke, nor had Randy ever been arrested. So police did not think the marijuana belonged to Randy or that he was selling drugs and that it appears like it may have belonged to whoever was responsible for destroying Randy's home. Now another interesting thing to note is that Randy's car was missing. Five days later, Randy's vehicle that had been missing would be found on a rural county road near State Road 37, around 20 miles away from Randy's home. The vehicle was abandoned near a cornfield with its license plates missing. There was no evidence in the car to help authorities figure out what had happened. The car was clean with no sign of there being a struggle. Now, to this day, Randy's body has never been found and authorities have never been able to find what happened to him nor who was responsible for his disappearance. The only other details I could find was that according to a legal notice that was filed in the Herald Times, a certain Mary Catherine White filed a legal notice on September 12th, 1982, in which she requested for Randy to be declared legally dead and for her to become temporary guardian of Randy's estate. Now, this notice would become into effect and made you know, legal on March nineteenth, nineteen ninety, some eight years after Randy went missing. And there was so much information that stated online that they're still like actively investigating his disappearance and that if anyone has any details on Randy's disappearance to contact the Indiana State Police, District Investigative Commander at 1-812-332-4411. Now, as you may guess, there's so much to this case. Yet very little details released online. Basically, the details that are available to us about what happened to relating to his disappearance are the ones I just shared. We know that his power lines were cut. We know that his car was taken and his house ransacked. But there was no evidence at either his home or in the car, in his car, of there being a struggle. So it just says, like, what happened to Randy? Where's Randy. Now, immediately, I started, my brain started swirling and I started coming up with theories. So I thought we would share, you know, theories on what I think happened or could have happened. And, you know, by all means, please share your opinions as well, both while I go through mine or by emailing me. Because this one just like, it. there's some things that jumped out to me that I immediately thought were very odd. So, here's my theories. Clearly, whoever was responsible for Randy's disappearance had pre-planned this. Regardless of who who did it, why it was done, there are every detail that we've discussed should lead us to believe, or has led me to believe, that this was a very pre-planned, premeditated crime. Whoever it was, was thorough and smart enough to cover their trail, which as we know here on the pod, is very rare. Criminals always think that they're smarter than they are and they're not. But whoever did this cleaned up after themselves. And really thought about every detail. So the first theory I have is that this was a complete random act of robbery and murder. And the reason I say that is because we ought to keep in mind the time period. 80s. Remote area. In the 80s which isn't even that long ago. However, the technology is so much more advanced now than it was back then. And, it was, and especially with like DNA analysis, there are still so many cold cases from the 80s that have not been resolved. And so the more random the act of violence, the more random the crime back then, the harder it was to trace it back to someone. Do you know what I mean? And so, if this was a complete and utter random act of robbery gone wrong, then it would kind of explain why nothing was ever found and it never traced back to anybody. You know, these... I Okay, let's start with this theory. I think it was multiple people. If it's a robbery gone wrong, it's multiple people. The reason I say that is because the way that the crime was staged, because I do think it was staged. These criminals who were targeting Randy did so in a premeditated way. They knew that Randy's home was in a remote location. They had scoped out the area previously and were aware of where Randy's phone lines were. They knew the make and model of his car. They knew his schedule probably at that point as well. So a few things could have happened. They could have tried to plan for the robbery to take place when Randy was away and Randy was in the wrong place at the wrong time, meaning he was there and they didn't know it. Or they did it in the cover of night, broke into Randy's home, kill him ransack his house, are looking for valuables, which Randy unfortunately doesn't have. They get frustrated at that point because there's nothing for them to really take. He doesn't have any money, doesn't have any valuables. So they take his only things that are worth anything a value to sell, and those are his guns. They, One of them takes Randy's car, abandons it near a cornfield 20 miles from Randy's home. The other people grab Randy's body, dispose of it somewhere, probably in a remote location as well. If, I mean, honestly, could be in the cornfield that his car was abandoned by as well. They take his license plates. They stage the scene to make it look like chaotic, you know, and kind of cover their own tracks. So that's a, that's an option. Option number two, or theory number two, this was an inside job. Now stick with me here. What do we know about most crimes? Most crimes... Are not random. There are those few that are, which again make it really hard to trace when it is a true act of random violence. However, more often than not, crimes like this are within the family. There's someone that you know. So this was an inside job. Theory number two. This was someone close to Randy, a friend, family friend acquaintance even someone that had been in randy's home or his family member for whatever reason someone who had it out for randy for some reason maybe they wanted his home who's Catherine white we don't know so this was an inside job right meaning someone that randy knew wanted him dead for whatever reason either they killed randy or they hired someone now the reason i say they hired someone. Again, it's the 80s. They know, whoever is responsible for this knows, that the more random they can make it appear, the harder it will be to trace. So if someone that Randy knows or a family member of Randy wants him dead, they hire someone to do it. That person then stages it to look like a robbery. They take the only items of value that Randy has, which are his guns making it look like it was a robbery when it wasn't. It was an inside job all along. You know, they created that chaotic scene to throw police off, the broken door lock, the ransacked house, the marijuana they left, another distraction that's not related. And that would explain why nothing was taken except for the guns. Because this person was familiar with Randy and what he had. And they just wanted Randy dead for whatever reason. The goal here wasn't to steal anything. They would have also used their own car, not Randy's, their own car, to dispose of his body. Which would have been a reason why when Randy's car was discovered by investigators, there was no evidence in there because Randy had never been in there. They didn't dispose of his body in his own car. They had another car. So that's option number two. Theory number two. Very carefully planned murder of Randy from someone he knew. Or... Someone he knew hired a third person to kill him for whatever reason. Theory number three. Now, this is a little fringy. Okay, stick with me. We have to cover all our bases here. Theory number three, probably the most unlikely, but not impossible. It is in the the realm of possibility here. Stick with me now. Randy faked his own death. He faked the scene to make it look like he got robbed. Cut his own power lines abandoned his own car that's why they did there was no sign of a struggle why his car was clean maybe Randy was in debt or he's on the run from something or someone you know by faking his own disappearance and death he could get out of whatever situation he was in now maybe I've been reading too much Brown county you know on and the brown county true crime this has been a common um, theme people like to fake their own deaths in brown county it's happened multiple times. You know, the Geneva Roberts story, that one, Cla- Geneva and Clarence Roberts, That well, that's a great example, faking their own death multiple times, you know? And so it's not with that, you know, it would explain a lot is all I'm trying to say, okay? If Randy faked his own death, it would explain why there's no sign of struggle, why everything has this weird sense of, like, calculated pre-plannedness to it. It's just, here's the thing, here's my problem with this Randall, Randy- Randall-Randy-White disappearance, okay? My main problem with it, which is why it, like, keeps me up at night, it's too clean. Everything is too well done. Why? we read these stories all the time and we share them on the podcast here. It's like usually these disappearances in these true crime episodes we cover in Brown County, especially, they're very violent. They're very intense. They're very dirty. They're very like, they're just in, they're very intense and gritty and just violent and not calculated in any way. They're never clean. They're never well done. They're just, you know, true small town murder. Very personal, very intimate acts of violence. This one is not that way. This one is very third person. This one is very, every detail has been thought out. Everything is set up and is a scene. It just seems so staged to me. And again, you know, part of me is like maybe, and I know, investigators, because this is a cold case, because it's unresolved and not solved yet, they're not releasing all the details and and the evidence that they have because it's technically an ongoing investigation. And so I know that there are things that are missing from the story obviously, but I just, the details that we do have, the details that have been released, to me, it's way too staged. Which, that's what led me to believe that it honestly is probably, it honestly is probably someone related to Randy. Someone that Randy knew, someone that Randy was comfortable with, someone that he probably let into his home, to be honest. And then they staged everything to make it look like a robbery. I just it's odd. It's just so odd to me because it's like there was no sign of a struggle. There was no blood. There was no, you know, it was like Tracy's system, for example. And, you know, and the IU student that we covered, whose body was discovered in Brown County and her murderer never found. It's just like these were like very violent murders. These were very, you know, there was a crime scene. There's a crime had taken place. For Randy's disappearance, I mean, he's gone, obviously. they He's been, he's probably dead, okay? He's probably dead. He either has faked his death really well and lives in Mexico now, or he's dead, which is probably the more likely case here. And so I'm just like, it was just so calculated, which is why I'm like, there had to be been multiple people involved in my mind. Which is why it's probably very unlikely that Randy faked his own death. Because that would just be him doing this all by himself. Which is, po- you know, it's possible still. But, like, I really feel like whatever happened to Randy involved multiple people. And probably several cars. Because I don't think Randy's body was transported in his own car. I think Randy's body was disposed of and taken away in another car. Because even the 80s had forensics when it came to cars, okay? Okay. It would also explain why it's so hard to find out who did it, who's responsible for Randy's disappearance, because there are multiple people involved, which is why it traces back to, in my opinion, it's someone that knew him, someone that was close to him. Because regardless of whoever was responsible for this, they clearly knew Randy's house and had at the very least... Been scoping out the place to know where the phone lines were, where his car was, and also knew that he had guns. Because if this was a random act of violence with random criminals, random robbers, why would they target someone who doesn't have anything valuable other than guns? I guess maybe they just didn't know that, but that would, that would contradict the cleanliness of the crime. If this was just random robbery, random break-in, random murder of a person. Another part of me is like, you know, this case took place in the 80s. I mean, the DNA tests weren't advanced like they are now. I wonder if the investigators, like, still have them on file. I know stuff gets lost all the time with these cases, and it's so stupid. It's like, come on, this is your one job, investigators. Collect evidence the crime scene, keep it on file for years and years, and then retest it in 10 years. You know what I'm saying? The amount of this stuff, evidence, that's lost by being misfiled is just unacceptable but let's say they still have the marijuana that they found at the crime scene you know could can they test it for DNA results and like figure out who that belonged to that would probably be a good thing to fi- figure out probably be very helpful I don't know I just feel like there's a big proponent to the story to this case that we're missing both us and the investigators Like, there's just something that we're overlooking I feel like this one has that blatant feeling to me It's just, like I said, too clean, too planned. It's very planned. So it's like someone is trying to distract. Someone that created that crime scene did it to distract from what actually happened. And it worked. We all got distracted. So what were we, what was missing? What did we miss? Because criminals are smart, but they're not that smart. They always mess up. Always something they forget. There's always something that they do that gets traced back years later. It's just too perfect. Yeah, anyway, this case has been keeping me, me up at night for the past few days, um, weeks, months, <laughs> since I found out about it. And so I had to share it with you all. And you know, maybe one day the mystery of what happened to Randy White will be solved. And if it is, you best believe I'll share it with you all because I, I just like, I want to know. I want to know what happened to him. I want to know for his family members. I, can you imagine, like, This wasn't an inside job, or I mean, it could have been an inside job, and still not everyone in his family was aware about it. It's like, and you just didn't know what happened. Like, this man just goes missing, and no one knows what happened to him. It's bizarre. But anyway, that's today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's get justice for Randy White and figure out what happened. And, you know, part of me is like, I hope that he retired early. Um, and is living his best life in the Bahamas. But unfortunately, we all know how this goes. He most likely is dead with his body probably buried in a cornfield somewhere in southern Indiana. But anyway, like I said, I'm just gonna start sharing episodes that I find personally interesting, and this one has stuck with me. I cannot get it out of my head. I just can't keep going over the details. It just, like, is stuck. Anyway, there's so many stories still left to tell from Brown County. You best believe we'll be getting back into it. You know, there's so there's a lot going on. All right, there's a lot going on. And if I have to read one more story of a mom killing her kid in Brown County, I just, I might go crazy. I just might. But anyway, that's it for today. As we always say here on the pod, stay safe, stay hydrated, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.